Real people, real stories, real insight, and all straight from the horse's mouth. If it's equestrian, it's on another installment of Under the Saddle with Adam Cromarty. Hello and welcome to episode four of Under the Saddle. If this is the first time you've listened, then welcome. And make sure you go back and listen to the previous editions with Jeff Billington, Georgina Bloomberg and Jessica Phoenix. Hit the subscribe button as well so that future episodes are delivered straight to your device. Oh, and make sure you follow me on Instagram. Just search for Adam Cromarty. That way you can get involved and let me know who you want to hear from on the podcast. Anyway, let's get on and introduce you to an athlete who's just such a nice guy. This was recorded in front of a live Toronto audience. Get comfy as I chat to Eric Lamaze about the highs and lows of his career, the personal challenges he's faced, the inspirational way he's dealing with cancer, and even his love life. And here he is, so let's give him a big round of applause, Eric Lamaze. Well, I've just been telling these lovely people that we had a chat last night and you said nothing was off limits. No, absolutely not. Uh, I'm here See? to answer any <laughs> question that anybody has to, uh, to put to me and uh, relating to uh, uh, the sport, our sport, what we do every day, uh, how to get to the level that uh, we are at uh, from a young kid to an older man now. Let's start right back at the very beginning. Tell us about you as a child, the, the early Eric Lamaze. Well, I wasn't really brought up in, 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 uh, in the horse world like many people, uh, like many kids who, uh, who start uh, with mm. horses. Uh, this wasn't uh, my journey. I played a lot of tennis. Yeah. But I was always a person that enjoyed sport and, and uh, seemed to excel at it a lot more than... Uh, and a lot more than school. <laughs> so uh, I knew that sport was going to be part of my life somehow. Yeah. And I thought tennis was going to be part of it until I met the horse. And uh, made a quick uh, changeover. And uh, in those days, uh, I never dreamed of uh, what turned out to be uh, my career. Uh, I was actually afraid of horses. Uh, I, 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 no, seriously, I, I really was afraid. Um, but uh, the moment I got on one, I wasn't afraid anymore. Uh, in my days, uh, the pony didn't exist. Uh, we started out in a junior hunter, which was three foot six. And if you were brave enough and you had a jumper, you rode in a junior jumper at four foot six, which is uh, the equivalent of a meter 40. So uh, we learned the rope fairly quick. Uh, it wasn't all these division now where you can go up... Uh, you know, one step at a time and everything. I'm not sure if you truly ask me what, what's the best. Is it the old ways or is it the new ways with all these divisions that are, that are catering to people and they're slowly get to the, to the height? We had no choice. I mean, it was, uh, it was uh, three foot six or four foot six. That's what it was. Uh, but it sure taught us how to ride. Uh, the horses in those days were the horses that we're riding today. It was simply a dream, and then uh, the dream became a reality. Really, the, as I said last night for Ian's tribute, it was really the love of the horse, working with them every day, yeah. training him, and uh, you know, achieving your goal, and, and, and to whatever their capability are, 
is to reach that goal with them. And uh, it's nothing more satisfying than, uh, I won't call it a job because it's not a job. Mm. It's, we're, we're the luckiest people in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's not, um, we get to travel the world mm. with these great animals. So it's for sure not a job to me. It's something that I truly enjoy. And childhood, I mean, it was quite a, a kind of rough start to life. Do you think horses kind of saved you in a way? Well, I mean, horses are great therapy in general. I think for, they have been for years for many people. Mm. Uh, for me, they were. They still are today very much. There's something about a horse. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, the way they look at you, the way, they, the way that, that they, they're so different. Yeah. Look yet sometimes the same, but are completely different. And uh, to try to make a team and jump these fences mm. uh, with them, you got to get f their full attention and full control. Yeah. And that takes hours of, of training them and getting, getting them to trust you and accept you. I mean, let's face it, they have to believe in you to keep going down the defenses. And you got to keep believing your horse mm. that he's going to do it. Uh, on the level of, of saying it's a dangerous sport or not, it is only dangerous if you play it at a level that you're not capable of doing. Yeah. But even at our, at our level, we have to uh, be wise in what we choose for horses and uh, keep ourselves healthy and, and, and safe. And that journey of moving from someone who just liked riding and loving horses to making this your life and your career, when did that transition happen? Was that a conscious decision? Did you wake up one day and think, right, this is it? I wish it was like that. I simply had no choice. <laughs> That's how it happened. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> That's kind of all it was left to me to do. <laughs> I'm laughing because it is the truth. <laughs> so thank God that at the end I, I could ride a little. Because, uh, but you know, I, from the beginning I, I uh, started really at the bottom uh, from, from, from grooming horses, from, you know, working from different job from from uh, from Hugh Graham to Jay Hayes mm. uh, being taught by great people in Quebec yeah uh, great Americans as well so uh, I would ride whatever anybody would give me to ride and I'd show up and uh, try to do my best and, and prove myself and uh, really my big break came from Tommy Gayford yeah uh, which was the Canadian team uh, coach in mm -hmm. those days, mm. I think one of the best coach, along with Torchy Miller, yeah. that the Canadian team has ever had. Uh, Tommy was, was unbelievable, and he had gave me one of, of his horses to ride that his daughter had a little bit of trouble with. And as a youngster, and not having so much experience, I was fairly intimidated to have Tommy Gayford. And Tommy is... I don't know if anybody knows Tommy Gayford, but he's not the quietest man in the room. No. <laughs> so uh, if you made a mistake, you sure heard about it. Yeah. So I was, a, I was fairly uh, nervous every mm. time I went to their farm to yeah. school the horse. And, but nevertheless, that's how I won my first Grand Prix. It was in Kitchener, Ontario, mm -hmm. on a horse called Big Deal. Yeah. And that he had bred himself and everything else. And uh, so he gave me my first big break. And have you always had Olympic ambitions, or is that something that kind of developed later on in your career? Let's be honest. I mean, it, the Olympic is, is, is the highest level that one can reach in any sport. You know, there were two Olympics that really, I don't know why the coach didn't pick me. Okay. Should have gone, but Atlanta and Sydney, I don't know why, but uh, yeah. I wasn't chosen. We're with you, Eric. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I got better at riding afterwards. And, yeah. 
<laughs> I said it'd be brutally honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, you know, I, I, I felt that with all that behind me and all, all the ugly stuff mm. that I had to prove Canada that uh, I, I, you know, I wanted to prove that who I was. And uh, during the hard year, it's not who I uh, wanted, who I, the person that I was. Yeah. And the person that I was is a person that wanted to represent his country. I've always been a serious worker. I love teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, I love getting new horses. I love buying. I love selling. Yeah. I love every aspect of our sport. But obviously, those uh, two Olympics set me back quite a bit. Yeah. But I made good on it was lucky enough to partner with one of the best horses in the world and uh, to win that gold medal that day. After all that, uh, I can not express uh, what went through my mind at the time. Yeah. Uh, your whole life just flashes in front of you, but uh, finally it was done. Uh, having won a silver medal with Team Canada, uh, for me was even... Uh, was was unbelievable i i'm a team person first and second uh i think of myself but first of all i'm, I'm a team guy and i want canada to do well and and uh, i try to stay involved as much as i can mm. and follow up the younger people that i don't know as much uh to see what the future has to hold for canada i mean we're getting a little long in the tooth so <laughs> Uh, we got to keep looking for these young ones to yeah. replace us. So um, that's basically uh, it. And then uh, Rio was was incredible for me as well. Uh, mm. You know, on a horse that was uh, purchased simply to be a speed horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, to win that bronze uh, medal there uh, was very special. I mean, any medal at, at, at that level... Uh, I will take any day over any Grand Prix, mm. over any kind of prize money, over anything. I think uh, a medal reflects your career. It defines your career. It's something that uh, can be taken away. Yeah. And, um, you know, especially now, I don't know, in, in a year there were, I don't know how many shows, maybe 50 shows. Now there are so many shows, you mm. know. If you ask me who won the Grand Prix in Lyon last week, I don't yeah. even know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, because there are so many. Every weekend. So we, 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 lose, we lose, between riders, we sort of lose our attention into that. Yeah. Years ago, we were always asking, and mm. now you got the internet and everything to find out. But uh, there's nothing like the Olympic. And you mentioned there that medals are always better than prize money. You've won more at Spruce Meadows than anyone else. You've won millions over your career. What do you do with the money? <laughs> well, the, pro the, you know, the part of our sport that is very unique, and, and when I say unique, is, is uh, I realize, uh, you know, when you go to the Olympic, I really concentrate on our event, and our event are often removed from the rest of the Olympic. Yeah. Uh, as Hong Kong, uh, you know, was, most of the Olympic was in Beijing, but our sport was in Hong Kong. But in Rio, it was very accessible to watch other sport. Mm. And I got myself to the pool one day to watch the, the swimming. Yeah. And I watched these parents cheering their kids on and everything else. And I said to myself, I said, wow, I wonder how much it costs to get to the Olympic as a swimmer. Yeah, yeah. I said, how much can a bathing suit cost? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so 
I might, I might be, I might be the leading money winner at Spruce Meadows. I don't know, I don't know if it's five or six million or whatever it is. But yeah. to be really honest, it probably costs thirty-five to get those five million. <laughs> so it's not a good return. <laughs> whatever it is, it's, uh, <laughs> once you add it up and you make the math, yeah, uh, these animals are fairly costly. And mm. uh, so when you say you, you're, you you know. You've won that kind of prize money. You certainly have done well. Yeah. And uh, you've chosen good horses for yourself. Mm. And you've competed, uh, joking aside. Yeah. But uh, it is not uh, a sport where it's uh, easy to just, uh, as I realize that swimming is. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot that's involved before you win this uh, prize. And you mentioned good horses. We've got to talk about Hickstead. Um, this week, I think, marks eight years. Um, since yeah. you lost that incredible yeah. horse. But tell us a little bit about how you found him. Obviously, we all know the big success you had with him and, and also what it feels like to, to, to sort of lose a horse like that. Well, uh, I mean, uh, the, the, the thing is, you, you, when you partner with such a horse and, uh, you know, you make a team, a lot of people say, you know, could Big Ben have been Big Ben without Ian Miller? Mm. Could Baloube have been Baloube without Rodrigo? Could, could you know, Hickstead have been Hickstead without me? Yeah. Perhaps they were just partnership all around that, mm. um, that, that were good together. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I really believe that a, that, that a, a horse, a great horse, need, needs the riders to go with it, and the rider needs the horse. Yeah. And once in a while, the two, the pair meet, and there's magic that happens, and uh, that's what happened between me and Ixted. It was a hard beginning. Uh, it wasn't an easy horse, but somehow I, I gave in on some stuff, and he gave in on some stuff, and we met halfway, yep. and uh, the greatest horse I've ever ridden in my life. Uh, while the other were show jumping, I was three-day eventing, uh -huh. basically. Uh, the, the fences just wouldn't come down. Sure. So, uh, you know... Unfortunately, uh, his life was cut short. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's not easy. Mm. Like I said, we, we, we do this because we love the animal. So losing the animal is, 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 is a serious part of... of, of uh, it's mm. like losing a loved one. Yeah. It's not like breaking a, a, a golf club or, or, or something like that. So... It uh, takes you a while to, to overcome that, to be really honest. And it took, actually took me much longer than I thought. There was many times that perhaps I thought I was fine. Yeah. And I had, you know, overcome this and I didn't. Yeah. And it took me a long time. And till to, till to this day, you know, you go on course and you do think what, what could happen. You know, mm. could this horse have the same thing or something? So it stays with you forever. Uh, it's a tragedy for yeah. the horse, tragedy for you, tragedy for whoever uh, had anything to do with this horse. Mm. But life must go on, yep. and you can choose to fold and walk away mm. and step away from the sport. At that point, I had won more than I've ever dreamed of winning. Yep. Uh, I was okay with that, but uh, you know what? I have some great friends mm -hmm. that said, uh, you're too young, you know, you got to keep going. And uh, so it took me a little while to gather myself together. Yeah. I won't lie to you about that. But uh, we started back with young horses. 
and uh, eventually build myself a string of horses uh, to compete again at the five-star level. Mm. And um, yeah, and, and, and the rest is, uh, is, is, uh, is history of horses like Fine Lady, Coco Bongo. Uh, I was blessed with owners like Artisan Farm, uh, the Fly Shacker from you know, owning Ixted and everything. Um, you know, unlucky in some, but I, I consider myself at the end, even with Ixted's strategy, to have been a very lucky guy. Yeah. To have been the people, to have been around the people that I've uh, been associated with. One can't uh, not think of Eddie Creed, mm. um, who's passed away just after the Pan American game. He played uh, major roles in my life. It's a shame he wasn't part of Ixted, to be yeah, quite yeah, honest, yeah. because he was part of Cagney, and Cagney was a big part of my life. Uh, but uh, what a supporter, and, and what he did for me really... Uh, got me on the map. And I think one of the reasons I find you inspirational is because you're a real person and you had some challenges earlier on in your career. How did you manage to, to overcome those? Well, I, I think, you know, it's like anything else. I mean, you, you, you can, you got to take the days that, you know, you got to catch your breath. Yeah. And um, you got to think of what you see in the future for yourself. Mm. And for me, I couldn't see a future without horses, and um, you know it's it's uh, it's just something that uh, till this day it's um, uh, you know as you know I am not uh, so well, and uh, my doctors calls it uh, calls my riding Eric's medicine. Yeah. And uh, they often tell me, uh, we don't recognize you when we watch you. Uh, they became fan of show jumping by now. Mm. But they say, we don't recognize you when you're on a horse yeah, yeah. versus when you're in uh, a clinic. So, um, you know, you can do amazing thing when you set your mind to it. Mm. And I'm the kind of guy that take a two, three days for myself and that I feel sorry or not. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll deal with it on my own, and when I'm ready to come out and fight the fight, I'll, I'll go do it. And how difficult is it going through treatment and riding? Can you still kind of balance that schedule and plan ahead? I think it's much easier to do that than just receive treatment with nothing else uh, to be doing at the same time. I, I uh, you know, I mean, everybody has, has a different story to do with cancer and, and everything else, and um, many sad story and, and I don't feel sorry for myself because I have come across many young kids uh, that perhaps won't see their 50th, their 15th birthday. Mm. So at 51 years old, I, I, you know, even with this in my way, I, I, I consider myself a lucky guy. Um, and uh, there was no, from the moment I met my doctor, I told him, I'm not going to be your usual patient mm. because my life is continuing and I'm going to keep riding and you guys go to work. But I said, I'm also going to work. And somehow we made a great team and managed to be here today. And hopefully uh, things uh, for me, I don't know what's in the future. Uh, I am giving it all for Tokyo. Tokyo means the world to me more than 
anything has ever meant anything with horses. Uh, it's a personal victory to even be there for me. And I want to make it a personal victory to bring back a medal for Canada. And I hope we do it as a team because that would, mean, that would even mean more to me than win an individual medal. And my heart is set on this and I, I, I want this to happen. And my whole year is around that. And I feel that once, hopefully, this does get accomplished, and if it does get accomplished, I'm going to feel a little burned out from it. But I think it will be time that uh, perhaps I take care of my health a little bit more <laughs> seriously and, and give back to the sport. I love teaching. Uh, and, and, and just try to bring some young riders along and try to give them a chance to have the, the, the dream that I got to, to live in for all these years. The one question I want to ask you though, before we let you go is, what's happening in the love life of Eric Lamaz and are you on the market? <laughs> Shh, so many girlfriends on here. <laughs> You're ruining my night right now. <laughs> Not much is happening. Uh, <laughs> that's the truth. That's, that's the truth. <laughs> you said you'd tell the truth, and he has. So, <laughs> thanks. Is there any taker? <laughs> I am awfully lonely this week. <laughs> and our hotel's very nice. <laughs> I got a beautiful suite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, what a great ambassador he is for equestrian sports. He's simply amazing. And that's about it for this episode. The final one of the year is on the way. It's out on the 23rd of December, and it will feature Daniel Coyle. We're going to be discussing the hyperspeed journey he's taken from being an unknown boy from Ireland to a potential Olympic candidate, how his dyslexia affects him in the ring, and much, much more. For now, though, don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a review, and make sure you let me know who you'd like to hear from in 2020. Tune in again next time. If it's equestrian, it's on Under the Saddle with Adam Cromarty.